is the Fish Base and Sea Life Base Anniversary Podcast, a limited series created to celebrate the 30th and 15th anniversaries of these two global biodiversity information systems. Together, Fish Base and Sea Life Base provide biological and ecological information on more than 110,000 marine species. My name is Valentina Ruiz Lioto, and on this episode, you will hear from Dr. Cornelia Nauen, president of the international nonprofit organization Mundus Maris. Back in the late 1980s, Dr. Nauen was working at the European Commission in Development Cooperation and from her post became a key player in the early funding stages of Fishbase. From then on, she has remained closely connected to the project, now serving as chair of the Fishbase board. As interviewees in previous episodes have done, Dr. Nowen shared with us some of the unpublished details behind the creation of this groundbreaking database. I know that you did your studies at the University of Kiel in Germany. Is that how you came to know Daniel Pauli and Rainer Fosse? Yes, yes. Uh, Daniel and myself, we studied together to some extent. Rainer came in uh, later. So at what point in the course of the conceptualization and development of Fishbase did Daniel and Rainer tell you about it? I was working at the time in uh, at the EU uh, in the Development Cooperation uh, Directorate General. And from our study times, we shared the concern to make uh, science more easily available to people in developing countries. And uh, for my part, I had also worked uh, with Walter Fischer at the FAO in the Species Identification Program. So uh, in those days, we were putting out identification sheets and uh, catalogs of groups of fish. And I remember that because of the conversations we've had earlier on and the sensitivity towards making, for example, growth and mortality parameters uh, more readily available to people in developing countries for stock assessments and uh, other types of analysis, that I was making a point in those catalogs to record whenever such parameters were available or uh, also maximum length, maximum size as, as a first step. These were obviously the days before the internet. I mean, we couldn't have imagined uh, in the 80s or in the late 70s what, what it would be. And then when personal computers became available, gradually the possibilities for sharing that information increased. But the, the preparatory steps were, you know, to collect that information, even in printed form. Right. And uh, I understand that you championed fish base at the European Commission. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the people on the development side of things were acutely aware of the limitations that were even stronger in those days in developing countries where you, wouldn't, you could not take electricity for granted. Personal computers were, you know, unheard yeah, not, of. Not a thing, yeah. And even, even in big institutions, um, the era of personal computers were only, was only just starting. 
uh, it was still the period of the, the centralized information systems where uh, your IT people were the gatekeepers. So from there to imagine that they would be ubiquitous and available in developing countries was a huge step. So it took a little while through rubbing shoulders, explaining, etc., etc., suggesting that after if an initial period of filling data so that you could start seeing something, this might actually be useful in management situations or increasing the research capabilities in developing countries. So that, that took a little, a little while, but we argued our way through, if you wish, so that as a matter of fact, the, it was carried by all ACP countries, Africa, Caribbean, Pacific countries, with a request, a formal request at the level of mostly ministers of finance. So not technical ministries or fisheries departments, but you know they had, had to do quite a bit of uh, convincing and explaining at the level of every country. And then there was the part of explaining to the EU member states that this was going to be money well spent. So, you know, there was a lot of preparatory work and uh, explaining and convincing to do. In the end, the request came and the funding decision for the all ACP project uh, was unanimous. Wow. So um, from that moment or from those years to now, how has your involvement with Fishbase evolved? Well, I've, I think I've been privileged to um, be associated th through these 30 years with Fishbase, initially through the project. And when the project started drawing to an end or we could see the end of it in the in the conversations with uh, Raina and Daniel uh, we were very concerned that you know it could let's say experience the fate of many projects that thrive during the funding period and then collapse and we were really very very afraid that you know this stop and go that destroys so many good initiatives and teams and the continuity of information and knowledge accumulation that could be disrupted. Uh, so by that time, I had already, I think I had moved away from uh, development cooperation into international science cooperation. So I was not administratively responsible for the project anymore. And I did not have money to give. But when you sit in the commission, you have convening power. So what we did after internal consultation, we invited the bosses of several institutions in Europe that we assumed had a genuine interest in such a thing like fish base. So uh, museums, it's their mandate to document uh, biodiversity selected research institutes and we wanted also FAO because of the species identification program and to have good relations and not friction and of course world fish which at the time was still uh, ICLAN. 
uh, because that is where it was hosted. Right. So uh, we invited senior representatives of uh, such institutions to Brussels in order to have a conversation about the future of fish base. And the initial conversation was somehow on most people's mind, okay, who's going to pick it up and run with it? Uh, but when we actually listened to uh, the presentations, it became very clear that in relation to the huge task, complementarity was strong and it would make no sense to develop competition uh, because no institution, even, not even the FAO alone, would have been able to, to do it. So to make a long story short, after this first meeting, we said, why don't you think it over and meet among yourselves, team up, form a consortium to ensure the long-term life of fish base. Then we would feel that the close to 6 million euros public funding we have invested is taken care of and we suggested after conversation with them to have a scientist in each organization to be the lead person second half time of a computer scientist we also said no closed club and we would like to encourage thinking about taking on board people from developing or institutions from developing countries both for legitimacy and for better coverage because clearly when people are directly involved it is automatic that they will also use it more find new applications etc etc and we also asked for it to remain in the public domain no money to be asked from users so Talking about this, particularly when you when you mention uh, developing countries and making this information available to them, uh, why do you think it is important that a resource like Fishbase exists? I think this is what what Fishbase offers is what humanity knows and has accumulated over centuries, and it gives you access to the basics, and the basics should be free for everybody. And I think this is still what inspires me and others uh, in Fishbase and which has spelled really the success. Uh, I remember doing an analysis uh, in 2002. In those days, the early days of the internet, it was still common that people would leave comments in the guest book. Most websites had guest books. And, um, I looked at uh, two and a half thousand roughly, and I was completely overwhelmed um, with the responses I found. My original motivation was to double check whether our justification was born out of reality uh, in, in practical fact. We had justified the ex public funding by saying, you know, we want the people in developing countries to have access, particularly the, the public administration and the researchers. That was the original mindset. To my great relief, I found that quite a number of people in this category actually said how happy they were to, to be able to use it, etc. 
it was not very strong. It was not a huge group in the ICP countries in particular, but also it already people in Asia and elsewhere. I mean, it, we could honestly say that the original justification had been accurate and honest. Yeah. One of the big surprises were of people using it who we had not at all expected. The, the most striking case was probably by uh, some customs people. What happened was that um, it was already a period in which global trade had, was accelerating quite a bit. While the customs services did not expand human resource-wise or otherwise, in tune with the increase in volume and quality of what they had to handle. And fish being a very perishable commodity, they were desperate to find criteria to make decisions as to whether or not to start investigating. And uh, they use the paper trail that comes with the merchandise uh, and compared it with fish base. And in one particularly spectacular case, they found a tuna species uh, attributed to the Philippines, which did not occur there. Oh, and wow. they used that criterion to then probe the, the batch and discovered a huge fraud. I think they find the, the allotment something like 10 million euros, wow. like that. We would have loved them to share at least one million with us. <laughs> it did not occur to them. But, um, you know, so that was fabulous. Yeah, definitely. And I was wondering, Connie, if in your own work, in your own research, either at the European Commission, where you were for almost 30 years, I believe, or at Mundus Maris, the NGO you lead now, whether fish base has been useful for you? Yes, we, um, <clears throat> either way, but let's say if I concentrate now on uh, the side of civil society work, we have used fish base all the time, uh, primarily in terms of uh, consumer awareness campaigns, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of alerting them to minimum size. So people love that. They want to make uh, res responsible purchasing decisions, but they don't have a handle on that. Knowing that certain types of fish you like uh, should have that minimum size is at least reclaiming a little bit of control over what happens to your purchases. And our latest uh, idea or initiative is to develop um, an interface that uh, you can type in uh, a local name in any language you want and Fishbase will come up with a picture and the design of how you measure the fish because not everybody knows how to measure a fish and with an indication of how big it should at least be. And we take that index from, it's, it's a combined index from the scientific literature and what we find in fish base. Right. Well, um, I just have one last question and it's a light question, as I always say. I was wondering if you have any funny anecdotes related to the creation of fish base or something particularly unexpected that has happened in these past 30 years. 
in the in the very early days i had a run in my office of consultants who wanted to buy fish base for i don't know perhaps 300 500,000 pounds which in those days sounded like a huge amount of money and um, it could have been tempting in a way but when you think about what happens when you put price tags on things you create two class system and most people you want who need it most get automatically excluded so the temptation was not big enough <laughs> they couldn't match anything <laughs> good <laughs> you know and also when you start if you go down this road how can you ask for i don't know a student to share his thesis or her thesis or somebody who has worked a lifetime on a particular group of fish and wants to ensure continuity of access uh, beyond his lifetime can can you pay for his money you can't right it's, it's impossible so i think one, one of the mo the strongest uh, lessons in this whole fish-based story was the commitment for free public access. Right, right. perfect. So um, is there anything else that you would like uh, to add that I didn't ask? Fish-based was made by people. And I think I felt so privileged to, be, to know Daniel and Reiner in particular and to feel a deep-seated trust in their work that helped to ride through sometimes rough times and not lose the objective out of sight and never be discouraged. Uh, and the other is the wonderful team first in Manila and then in Los Banos in the Philippines. You know very well we have had uh, many financial crises and other difficult moments uh, that could have put the very existence of fish base at risk, but somehow uh, this combination managed to keep it afloat and always rise to the challenge and find new collaborations, find new funding. I think it is very rewarding that, you know, through the, throughout the professional lives, people have uh, really hung in there and, and kept going. This is the Fish Base and Sea Life Base Anniversary Podcast. Join us for our next episode to learn more about the unpublished details behind the creation of these two groundbreaking databases. The music on this podcast is by Patrick Patricius from the YouTube Audio Library. Until next time.